Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you this morning. And uh, Emma, I'm going to need your help right away, if you don't mind. There is a ladies' weekend at the coast coming up, and we're going to send this to you particularly if you're interested. Would you raise your hand if you have a thought or an idea, or maybe you're interested or need to know more information? Any hands going up? Going once, going twice? Want to put that out on the, the entryway? That'd be great. And... Also, too, we have a, a great, wonderful calendar to put on your refrigerator. These are refrigerator calendars, so you know. So there you go. So you can grab those back out on the front entryway as well. And we have some great words of encouragement this morning. And so, uh, hey, Brother Jeff, I so appreciate your friendship and the fellowship we enjoy in our service to Christ. I'm thankful for your continued Words of encouragement, so somebody else must be getting those too, huh? So that's cool. Uh, Melissa Winningham, here we go. So wonderful for you. So, so I wish I could read somebody's nice writing. This is nice writing. Wow. So I can read the messy stuff, not the good stuff. So thankful for you and the love and compassion you live. Amen. That's great. That's awesome. Miss Angie, that's you. I love seeing your smiling face. Your presence is always an encouragement. And I'm going to add, especially when you say, come on, it's sunshine. It's great. I love it. So there you go. First time you did that to me, it freaked me out a little bit. So anyway, it's great. You can freak me out anytime if you want to do it that way. That's great. Ken, I uh, really appreciate you and your willingness to humble yourself to serve King Jesus by serving others. Great service and sacrifice, brother, keep it up. So there you go. I don't think I could have sang that song any better. I think probably would have butchered it really, really crazy bad. I was back, did you hear me changing and trying to figure it out? And it was, I'm, people out there confused over there going, what is he doing over there? So I hope they were listening to you. And <laughs> okay, well, that's good. All right, praise the Lord. All right, we got some announcements for the coming up this week. Uh, today, Bible class uh, meeting, just briefly, uh, back in the back room after uh, morning assembly. Uh, also, to this evening's uh, evening assembly, we'll be here at the building. And uh, Kirk Parts is starting a new series, uh, expository series out of Second Timothy. And so uh, if you want to start that series, that would be great. Uh, Monday evening college group will... Uh, be ongoing 5:45 uh, dinner, and so be there about 5:45. We'll probably say the prayer at six and start eating right away, and uh, then a lesson uh, on uh, making good habits. And uh, also too on Wednesday evening, assembly will be at Tamara Dunbrow's home for the month of May. And uh, Thursday, lady study is lady studies ongoing this week. And uh, Saturday, I'm going to ask, we were planning on, the young people were, and I were planning on going getting firewood uh, for a fundraiser for the orphans, but uh, Mother's Day is coming up next, Lord's Day, and so we might have some visitors coming, mom's coming, and if we could all come here on Saturday, 9 o'clock, and it won't take very long just to clean up the out, outer perimeter, uh, rake, rake up all of the uh, pine cones. They're always fun. And uh, just make it look nice for moms that are coming in next weekend. And also, too, we have a special event, a community event that we're having here on, 
uh, the week following Mother's Day. And it would be really nice if our old building looked real nice for that community event for those folks who are coming out. Uh, there'll be a whole bunch of folks from the business community coming out. And uh, so we would hope that you'd be able to help out there as well to making the, the grounds look really, really quite nice. The inside of the building is beautiful. And so that would be great if you could help out. Uh, that would be next Saturday, uh, uh, 9 to whenever. And many hands make like work. So we, I think we get this banged out in about two hours. So then we can go have fun the rest of the day. So, all right. Any other announcements that I might have missed except for a couple special birthdays? Let me put this on instead. Any other announcements? Okay, my lovely bride is 29 this year. And I am so, I, I, married, I married a young woman. I know she can't be 29 because I'm 35. <laughs> so she can't be 29 because you're 35. So how old does that make you, honey? You're 34? Oh, sweet. My wife is 34. I, well, man, you look good for 34. Woo. Okay. So anyway, my wife is... Not 34 or 29, but she's still lovely and wonderful. And uh, her birthday is tomorrow. And so we're going to sing a happy birthday. But there's another birthday that's really amazing. And that was there was a birthday last Thursday, the 29th, at 6.17 p.m. in the evening when our uh, dear friend, now brother in Christ. Are you ready for this? Okay. Blake George was immersed into Christ at 6.17 on Thursday born of the water and the spirit. So I got to share a story real quick with you. Okay. Blake has been a humble servant in this congregation for how many years? Well, however long as you've known Desi, obviously, as soon as you got missile lock on Desi, you were here all the time. So, you know, he was always here committing himself to service, you know, whatever needs to be done. He was willing to do that. And I don't think it was to win my affection because he'd already won Desi's, okay? So I don't think that, that was the reason. And then uh, after, uh, you know, he got married, you know, sometimes guys just kind of, you know, kind of slow down and give up and stuff. And I'm not being mean when I say that. But this guy has continued to grow and continued to give himself to service. And with the recent passings of some dear friends, he really started to reflect upon when he was immersed into Christ, when he was, when he was uh, immersed. And he said, I didn't do it for the right reason. I didn't do it to have my sins washed away and to receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, as it says in the scriptures. And so he called me up and, and he didn't tell me what it was. And when someone just calls me out of the blue and says, I got to meet with you really quick, I have a tendency to think in the wrong direction. I think, oh no, what does he do? <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. So I can do that with Desi because she's my adopted daughter. So uh, anyway, so so when he said that, I, I couldn't believe it. This is a picture of humility, being willing to admit that you didn't do it right. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should go out and be re-immersed. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that he really thought about it. And he was grinding on it for a long time. And uh, the Lord communicated to him that this life is short. So I really appreciate you, brother. And so uh, uh, we're not going to sing happy birthday to you, although we are very joyful for your birthday. We're so thankful for that. But uh, anyway, here we go. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Now, the folks on the, the video could not see what was going on, but I could. And uh, tell you what, there are some problem saints here at Pleasant Hill. I want to identify them as Jeff, uh, Jeff over in the back there, but uh, <clears throat> Jeff over in the back there. <laughs> so anyway, hey, let's grab our Bibles and let's finish up last week's lesson. And uh, I think I can do it. I think I can get it done this week. I'm hoping anyway. And uh, thank you, Kurt, for... Cutting your little sermon short, that was wonderful. You did that for me. That was sacrificial. And so let's uh, let's go ahead and read the scriptures. And I want to start with Acts 24, actually, this morning. Acts chapter 24, verse 14 through 16. Once again, to, once again, to get our bearing, we are talking about the great hope that we have uh, in Christ Jesus. And Paul talks about that when he's on trial. And uh, so... Let's pick it up there in, in verse uh, 10, actually, to get the running start. Now, the governor had nodded for him, Paul, uh, nodded to him to speak. Paul responded, knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense, since you can note of the fact that no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship, neither in the temple, nor in the synagogues, nor in the city itself, did they find me carrying on excuse me, carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot, nor can they prove to you the charges of which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In view of this, in view of the resurrection, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience both before God and before men. And so our, our hope, our calling, our character in Christ Jesus is found not just here to prove that the resurrection from the dead is our hope. We are anticipating that he's coming back for us but we also want to take a look at 1 Thessalonians beginning there in chapter 4. Because here it gives us a finer detail of what does that actually mean for us as Christians. And in light of the recent passing of our dear friend and brother, Mike Harbour, uh, this is so poignant for me. And I hope for you, for those of you who loved him so well, and maybe for those who you've known that have gone on to glory who are in the Lord. This is really for us who have the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, last Thursday when Blake was immersed, it says that he was immersed into the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, and raised up from that to walk in newness of life. Many of you know 1 Peter 3.21 where it says, And corresponding to the floodwaters of Noah's day, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of the fret, not removal of the filth from the flesh, but it's our appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's when we're united with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we have a living hope, as was read by our brother Kurt, a living hope being born again. 
And so this is what this passage is about. People who die outside of Christ, there is no hope. But for those of us who are in Christ, we have hope secured, not because we're good enough, but because of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and our union with that sacrifice, how powerful that is. And so this lesson is really for us today. So let's begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13 and reading down through chapter 5 and verse 22. All of it has to do with our having hope in Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are are asleep or who have died so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep or who have died in the Lord. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord, that would be the the day the Lord comes back and the resurrection takes place. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they, the people outside, are saying, peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains, upon a woman with child. And they will not escape. But brethren, you are not uh, in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, remember, Paul said he lived blamelessly both before God and before men because of the resurrection. This next section, verse 12 down through verse 22 is really what Paul was talking about. Here's where we get the fine detail of what we're talking about in regards to living blamelessly before God. So let's take a look. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. 
See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, I want to quickly review what we talked about last week. Look at the first point in your lesson plan. And I'm going to run through the first point and the first half of the second point. In, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, it says, Do not grieve like those who have no hope. Do not grieve like those who are not Christians. For if you are a Christian and you have loved ones who are Christians, when they pass, they go to heaven. And you are assured because Christ has died for you. It says, believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Because if you don't believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead then you don't believe that God raised you from the dead out of the water grave of immersion. You're still in your sins. We need to recognize that you were raised up with Christ Jesus and seated with him in the heavenly places. Please check this out. It's in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 particularly. But verse 1 through 6 is phenomenal. Awesome passage of scripture. Speaking of who we were before we were Christians and that we were raised up to walk in the newness of of life through Christ. Powerful passage. Raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places, present tense, right now. Do you believe that? And if so, if someone passes away, you can encourage them, those who are loved ones. And so I flew back to spend time with the Harbor family. I love that family. If you think Mike Harbor was wonderful, you should meet his wife. That's why I think Mike Harbour was so wonderful, because he had a wonderful wife. Wow, you know, behind every good man is a great wife. And, and in this case, it's absolutely true. Mary Jo Harbour is phenomenal, great lady. And you know, the proof was also in his, his son, Marshall. Powerful, powerful man of God. And so we can encourage one another, and we should encourage one another. And so point number two, our calling in Christ Jesus, our calling as children of light is to be alert and sober. Remember? We are sons of light. We are daughters of light. We're of the day. And so it's important for us to recognize. Because you can say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, that's a messed up statement because you're not a sinner if you are in Christ. You are a saint. You're a holy one of God. And praise the Lord for that. And so instead you could say, I'm a Christian, that I'm working through a particular sin I'm trying to get over, and I need help. And that's okay. Because you recognize yourself as a son of God who still needs, or a daughter of God who still needs to grow. And that's humility, and that's really great. But notice it says to be alert. Remember what I said last week? Alert means to wake up, literally. Wake up and possess your full faculties. And I told a couple funny stories about full faculties. But you need to be fully aware that you're in a war zone. That's what it means, to be alert. If you were in a war zone right now and there are people shooting, would you get your head down? Well, if you didn't, you'd be dead real quick, right? You'd be very aware of where it was coming from. And you would want to engage because if you don't engage, well, then you're not going to be around very long. And so it's important for us to understand as sons and daughters of God, we are the army of light, the resurrection army of Jesus Christ as it talks about in Old Testament prophecy. 
And did you look up Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18? If that isn't talking about warfare, I don't know what is. And of course, our adversary is the devil. So it's important for us to recognize we need to be alert, full faculties and vigilant. But notice where it says sober. Sober means not to be intoxicated by anything in this world. Now, it can mean alcohol. It can mean drugs. Obviously, those will intoxicate you, but there's an awful lot of sensuality out there that will grab you and hold you, and you can't get away from it, and it's going to render you powerless in service to our king. So it's so important we recognize that. Now, look at Romans chapter 13. Let's slow down now. That was my review. Romans chapter 13. In Romans chapter 13, it's a very clear statement. We are in a war And we are in a fight not only for our life, but for the lives of those around us. And I pray that you'll recognize that. Notice in verse 8, it's where it really starts, honestly. Verse 8, Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Well, end of sermon. If you do that, we're golden. Okay? So it says, uh, Owe nothing to anyone except love one another, for for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, in the law, it says, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it's summed up in this one saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Love does no wrong to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Now notice verse 11. Do this. Love one another. Just like Jesus loved. Do this, he says, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to be awakened from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than we believe. The night is almost gone. The day is near. There, The day, the day of the Lord Jesus, by the way, the coming of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Put those all away. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ that, that uh, no make and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Now, just really quick, going over this. Does that look like you're to put on armor? And why do you put armor on? You put armor on so that you'll be able to defend yourself. You put armor on so that you can engage in the battle. And that's why you should look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, and know what that means and actually do it. You know, I think people struggle with the concept of the devil because little kids go trick-or-treating. You always see these little dudes with the horns and the pitchforks and the tails and, oh, they're kind of fun and silly and stuff like that. But many of us here have seen the ugliness of what the devil can do to destroy a person. And the liar that he is to make someone think that they're a Christian when they're not, I think that's the ugliest of all deceits because when they get to heaven and they're in the wrong line they're in with the goats i think that's sick and so it's important for us to recognize we're in a war so first of all the preeminent thing we need to do brethren is love one another even as christ has loved us john 13 verses 34 and 35 if we love other people like jesus loves us we're going to fulfill everything in regards to this big long list that we're going to look at in a few minutes And so it's important to owe nothing except to love one another like Jesus Christ, if you want to write that down. 
And notice it says, wake up here. Wake up and put off the deeds of darkness. In other words, the day is almost here. You know, I my wife is my witness. I'm going to start trying again. Sharon stopped the, the evening activities as soon as we got the message from Logan. And she read about Julie. And I just, I got numb real fast. Didn't have all the particulars. But then when she asked me to pray, I couldn't pray for a while. Man, I was sobbing uncontrollably. I love that young woman with the love of the Lord. And I was praying as we prayed together, Lord, don't let her die. We didn't know the particulars. And then afterwards, we were praying, Lord, let her recover fully. And that should be our prayer right now. You're saying, why would you be grieving? I'm grieving for my loss. If she were to have passed, she would go to heaven, but I'd be grieving for Logan. I'd be grieving for Jeff and Carrie. I'd be grieving for her mom, Ellen. I'd be grieving for our loss as a family of God, wouldn't you? One of your dear, sweet friends, right, Carly? I mean, we would be crying, I would hope. Not because she hadn't gone to heaven, but because we miss her and we grieve that she's not a part of our life. Brother, it's so important for us to recognize that you need to... Wake up and lay aside the garbage that keeps you from being sons and daughters of light. What is that garbage? That garbage is self. It's all about self. Isn't that what it says right there? It says, lay aside what? The deeds of darkness. What are they? Carousing, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, sensuality, strife, and jealousy. All of those are selfish behaviors. I want to feed myself. It's sick. Is sick. The opposite of that is love, brethren. What's that? I want to feed you. I want to help you. I want to help you grow and become. Isn't that the mind of Christ? I came here to help you. I came here to sacrifice for you. Isn't that the mind of Christ? Isn't that the love of Christ? How do we do that specifically? That's what the next passage is about. And so it's important for us to recognize here in this passage in the book of Romans that we need to put on Christ. What does it mean to put on Christ? I'm confused. I don't know what that means. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and take a look at verse 12 and following. This is what it means to put on Christ. It means his magnificent character needs to be manifest in our lives and through the Holy Spirit. And through our being responsive to the word, we can actually do this. And so I'm going to run through these really quickly. So you're going to get writer's cramp. I'm sorry to tell you that. But let's take a look at this wonderful, beautiful list. Verse 12, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you and the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. The first one is know and value. The word appreciate literally means to understand what they go through. To understand what a teacher leader goes through. How many of you know that leaders always have a bullseye on them? I don't care what leadership role you're in, in what organization. There's always a bullseye on the leader. 
Why? Because the leader is called to lead. And when they lead in a way that someone doesn't want to go or someone doesn't think is the right way to go, what do people do? Well, they usually shoot them in the back because they know the target's on the front and they can see how good they did when they got done. That stinks, man. That's not a part of the church, but I've seen it in every institution I've been a part of. That's sick and that is not who we are. We're supposed to know our leaders and understand what they go through. I don't know what time Jeff gets up. I don't know what time he goes to bed. And I don't know what he does in between. Well, I kind of do. I don't know what, what time Blake gets up and what he goes through through the day and, and, and what, you know, yeah, he finishes his day. I kind of do, but not really. So for me to start judging Blake for not coming up to my standard, that's pretty messed up. How about this? You take care of you coming up to the standard of Jesus. And if you need some help, come ask and I'll help. Or somebody else might help. But you and I need to come up to the standard of Jesus. Know your leaders. Are they sacrificing for others? Well, they're not sacrificing for me very much. Well, maybe it's because they're working with a whole bunch of people. Right? So it's important. Be an encourager. Know them. And then the next word there, uh, value, esteem them. It actually means to value what their sacrifices are, to put a value on it. Look at the next one. I think it's really great in verse 13. It says, and uh, uh, live in peace with one another. Live in peace with one another. The word peace there means harmony, harmony. How many have ever seen a team work together and it's like they're like a smooth running, well-oiled machine and they're just doing it just amazingly well and everybody's doing their part and it's absolutely phenomenal. Okay, I've had those experiences before. It is tremendous. Wouldn't it be great if no one was trying to push somebody out of the way, but everybody is working together to get things done that needed to get done? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That's the picture that is here. Peace means to work together in harmony, not in strife, not in selfish ambition. In fact, look up the word peace there. It talks about harmony, and it talks about the opposite of that. Uh, strife and selfish ambition, which is talked about in James 3, verses 13 through 18, is unfortunately the exact opposite, the, the, the selfish ambition thing. Look at the next one uh, there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a really important one. Look at 14, verse 14. Uh, we urge you, brethren, it says here, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. The word admonish there means to gently correct as a father would gently correct his sons or daughters. Now, there's some times where the, the board of education is needed, but you know, more often than not, a father who gently encourages and coaches his kids to do what is right is going to get a lot more traction down the road. Think about that for just a minute. How many of you would like to have apple cider to cure you of your ills? Hey, just drink a glass of apple cider. Or not apple cider, apple cider vinegar. Thank you. How many of you have ever had apple cider vinegar to cure your ills? Man, I'll tell you what, I drank a big thing of that and I, I lost it. Thank you very much. Didn't cure me at all. Well, maybe it purged me, but it didn't cure me. All right. But there are other things that were better to be used and I was more willing to use them a second, third, fourth, and continually. So the key is this, is how you admonish. And it's rather interesting it talks about admonishing the unruly. Now, in, in 
Second Thessalonians, it talks about people who are unruly are people who are lazy. They don't want to do anything. That's being undisciplined. The word actually is undisciplined, okay? Unruly. But it's also a military word. It means everybody else is marching in place, doing their job, and one guy's going, I don't want to do this anymore. I think we should do it this way. No, how about this? Hey, you know what? If we did this, he's not one. Unruly is not to be in harmony. So we need to begin and start working with folks who are not being in harmony. Just work together for the common good of building the body of Christ. Look at the next one. The next one there is really fantastic in verse 14. We urge you, brethren, and admonish you, and really encourage the faint-hearted. In the King James, it says feeble-minded. That doesn't have a good connotation. Faint-hearted. Well, it does say feeble-minded, but I looked it up. It means those who lack courage. Hello? You watch the fake news, and you're going to get overwhelmed really fast. How to lose courage. Watch the fake news. But if you will focus on building the body of Christ and seeing the amazing impact that you, one person, can have in changing your world and take ownership, that you can be courageous. And when you come and encourage each other to be courageous. Oh, by the way, the word encourage there literally means to come alongside. You can do it, man. You can do it. That's what that means. It's kind of a consolation, comfort, encouragement. Look at the next one. It says here that not only are, supposed to, are we to encourage uh, the faint-hearted, we're supposed to help the weak. Help the weak. The word help literally means to care for those who are sick. Now, it doesn't define whether it's physical sickness or spiritual sickness, but both of those sicknesses will keep a person from being able to serve in the Lord's church. And so we should be ministers helping those who are sick. You see, what about, as we well do, I love this. When someone's infirm, people step up. I don't know who it is. They're mystery people, but I love them. God knows them. They, they step up and they send meals and they send cards of encouragement and they mow grass and they do all these things. And it's like, wow, this is so cool. You know what that is? That's Christ-like. That's helping the weak, those who are sick. Those who aren't able, that's powerful. That's Christ-like. Well, look at the next one. It says, help those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Well, I appreciate my son, Ryan. He got up here and talked about sometimes it's hard to be patient when he's driving his log truck. And uh, boy, I, can, uh, I, can't, I can't relate because I've never only but once been in a log truck. And I did see some of those crazy nut jobs. You say cut right in front of you and you slam on the brakes. But... Uh, I got my own fish to fry, if you know what I mean. My own things I got to work through. And I think we all do. And it's nice when someone comes alongside, comes alongside and says, you know what, man, that, that makes me cranky too. But you know what I've done before that really helps me? Oh, thank you very much for coming alongside, being patient with me, forbearing and helping me grow. Helping me grow. The word patient there actually means to be forbearing, long-suffering with people who God's teaching you to be patient with them. All right, so look at the next one. Seek to do good, verse 15. See that no one pays another evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. I, I love this, this one right here. How many remember the song we just sang a little bit ago, Make Me a Blessing? 
Make me a blessing. That's what this word actually means. Look it up. It's the Greek word uh, uh, agathos. And it means this. To intentionally render a blessing or a benefit to someone else who has a need. Seek to do good. Agathos. To intentionally render a blessing uh, or a benefit that they have a need. And you know what? We all have needs. Physical needs, emotional needs, financial needs, spiritual needs. We have them all. Would it be great if we were aware of other people's needs instead of our own? Huh. Hey, that's the reason I joined the church is so that I could get something, man. I do church shopping. The more I get, the better I like the church. Well, that's kind of a messed up deal. Can you imagine Jesus coming into the world? Hey, I came in the world to squeeze you guys out of everything I can get out of you. That's not Christ-like. Christ-like is looking to the need and responding to the need with a heart of love. Amen? All right, good. Well, we're almost done. Look at this. And you know this one. You have it memorized. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Rejoice always. And I would say the litmus test is rejoicing in times of suffering. The litmus test. If we're going to be Christ-like, rejoicing in times of suffering. Paul manifested the character of Christ when he was thrown into the inner prison. He was rejoicing and singing hymns of praise. Rejoicing that he was experiencing the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. He prayed. I want to know him and the fellowship of his suffering. Guess what? He's praising God. Thank you, Lord. You're saying that's a weird mindset. No, that's a Christ-like mindset. If you suffer for, work, for doing what is right, you can praise the Lord. And he's so deeply thankful. You know where it says, uh, pray continually? Did you hear what Ryan said? Man, sometimes the situation doesn't warn that you can get down on your knees and go, oh Lord, I got this lengthy prayer. When you're about ready to, to go off a ridge. You say the quick prayer. And I know Brian has shared that before too. But I would ask you not only to pray those prayers continually throughout the day because we constantly have need to be the light, but I would ask you to consider developing a powerful time of prayer each day where you're in earnest petitioning the throne of grace for the saints because you know we're all going through a lot of pressure by the devil and we need the encouragement that the angels of God can provide and God's power through his Holy Spirit can provide. How important that is. And then finally, uh, before we get to near the end, it says be thankful always. You know what? You always have it better than somebody else and in the Lord you have it better than most. So there's no reason for you not to be thankful for what you have. And then he says, do not. Kids, how many of you know what the word no means? No, no. How many of you had little kids when they were little or children when they were little? The first word they learned was no. Wow, that's rugged. Okay. We had that happen in our family, I think more than once. We had three, so no. Now the problem with that is, is that's a reflection on mom and dad. <laughs> well, it might be a reflection on their wonderful spirit blossoming into independence too. So it's kind of a combination there. 
But you know what? God is saying, no, don't do this for a reason. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterance. You know what it means, don't quench the spirit? Here it is. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. You ever read this thing before? And you get to something and go, yeah, well, we'll, we'll keep reading the next chapter tomorrow. What are you doing? The Spirit's piercing your heart. If you feel a twinge of guilt, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't question the Spirit. Don't shut up. I'll read the next chapter tomorrow. I know you don't actually do that. But have we ever done that? Well, that doesn't apply to me. That's really not what it doesn't really mean that. Don't quench the Spirit. And then when it says, don't despise prophetic utterance. You know, so... When, when uh, Scott or Kirk or Bill or whoever gets up here and goes, oh no, here we go again. Now, I don't think any of you do that, but that's quenching the spirit because what if they're going to share something that you need to hear? Look at the very next verse in this passage of scripture. So you need to listen to every lesson that you hear Verse 21, but examine everything carefully. So allow people to share what they're sharing, but then go back and examine to see if what they're teaching is in alignment with the scripture, the principle and the practice of the scripture. That's so important, see? So someone gets up and you go, nah, that's not how I've ever heard it said before. Remember I shared with you about the faith of Christ? And there are preachers, big name preachers from around the country. And I did it. I preached it at every family camp I could just to get a rise out of people. And, and they say, you did that? Well, I wanted to see if I was teaching the right thing because I figured those big name preachers would come unglued on me. And it pretty well worked pretty good. Okay? But then when they went back and looked it up, they all came to the same conclusion that the faith of Christ is in there. But they went and looked instead of saying, nah, that's not how it is. So it's important for us to go back and examine everything to see if that is so. But then look at the closing closing thoughts here. Hold fast to that which is good, literally honorable, virtuous, of good reputation. Hold fast, hold fast that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. What does the word abstain mean? Abstain. Well, the scripture says abstain from drinking alcohol. What does the word abstain mean? Don't do it. Abstain from evil. But here's the, here's the rub. Who defines what evil is? Well, I think this is evil. Well, I'm glad that's what you think, but what does God say? But sometimes we'll read scriptures that says something's evil, and then we won't go to define it, so we don't know what it really means. So, Avoid every form of evil. Words, deeds, and in the King James, I think it's appearance. The appearance of evil. What's the appearance of evil? Can I go into a bar to get a cup of coffee? Can I go into a bar that serves alcohol to get a cup of coffee? Do they serve coffee in bars? They do. They do. Yeah, but if Ken's driving by and sees you 
walk in, you might think you're going in there to... Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm going to call my friend and gossip. Yeah. <laughs> there, were times, there were times when Melissa was single, and we would have Bible studies, and we'd always meet publicly, and I'd always tell Sharon where I was, and who I was with, and the time frame. Why? Because there was more than once when people would walk into a Starbucks, or they walked in over at, uh, do you remember we were over at uh, Barnes & Noble in a cafe, and there's some people like that. You can just see this lady's eyebrow go, huh? Like, okay, there's a nonverbal communication. So I don't know if she ever called Sharon, but you know what? Look at the watch, call Sharon. And Sharon would go, well, was she an attractive, uh, blondish gal? And, and uh, yeah. And were they at, bar yeah. And was it, yeah. Okay, that her name was. See, so it's really important that, that we need to be careful and guard ourselves. That's why Sharon always knows where I'm at when I'm there. <laughs> I call when I'm coming home. You're saying, wow, you are paranoid. No, I'm not. I'm in love with my wife. And I want her to know that she's the one and only. Avoiding the appearance of evil. That's powerful. Guess what, brethren? That's Jesus. Put on Jesus. Love like Jesus loved is the preeminent statement. It's the gold standard, actually. And so, brethren, we do not need to grieve about what's coming upon the earth. And if it means that we pass from this earth because we take a stand for our faith, that's okay. Don't fear, but remember to encourage one another, inspire one another to love and good deeds. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful, brethren, or so thankful, Father, for the brethren, those who are willing to step up and serve. I would ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you would help us to search the Scriptures. Help us to search the Scriptures to know what is true. Help us then to apply those Scriptures to ourselves. You know, it's easy to point out faults in other people. It's not so easy to allow the Word of God to be the litmus test for myself. And that's really the point. Humility is when we allow the word of God to pierce our hearts, to humble us, that we might change and be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we could live courageously for you in this end time. We praise you and thank you for the opportunity to grow together. We help us you would continue to build the kingdom, Father, as you would have it built. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's stand up, let's stand up. What did Jesus say to you? Jesus said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right. I appreciate you coming out this morning. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.